My name is Matt. Uh, I have the privilege of being an elder at Calvary Church. I had the privilege for the last seven or eight years of being a pastor here. And uh, let's see if this is rocking and rolling. I don't think... There we go. You know, Greg, it actually wasn't locked. And, And I've transitioned, as many of you know, to the workforce. Uh, since October, and I wanted to apologize real quick before we move on. Um, I need to get my timer rocking here. See, I went into the workforce just flying on all cylinders. I was excited. I was going to make a difference. I was going to. I was going to light up my workforce, and I believe all that to be true. But it's really been a challenge. And so I, I think it's fair to say, if, if I got up and was like, I'm going to blow the roof off these doors, I'm going to knock all the animals off the rails, everyone's going to get saved and baptized, um, that's true. And that's the point. But the application has been difficult. And so it's important for me to say, as many of us are in the workforce, it's hard to be a light in the dark. Because you've got to bring your own light. And and I said I'm going to be the light while I was working with a whole bunch of other lights. And so I was like, this is easy, right? And it has not been easy. So it's important to say. And so there you go. Uh, it's a busy season. Uh, we only have 20 days, shopping days left till Christmas. Right? There's this dad joke that circulates around work. What do you call a bunch of snowmen around a bonfire? You call them puddles, yes. Right? So, there's the dad jokes. Uh, they, fl- they, they flow. Welcome to Good Friday. This is... This day can be somber because our sin cost a great deal. It cost the greatest human who was fully God who ever lived a great deal. As Rob already said, the humanity of Jesus even said, I don't want to go. Right? And so we can get fixated on Good Friday with like, oh, our sin is so terrible. And look what we made Jesus do. Uh, but, but Jesus isn't thinking that. This is an amazing day. Part of an amazing weekend. Because it shows us the Savior we have. I want to look at that Savior today. I want to look at the invitation of the cross. Got the cross. You got the weeds. Sometimes it's hard to see the cross. Weeds get really big sometimes. Those have been freshly cut in the last little while because weeds can really uh, make the cross look hard to picture. But the invitation of the cross is what I want to fixate on today. Yes, there is sin. Yes, fully God, fully man, Jesus had to die in our place. As Robert, that was the only way. Yes. But through that, we have to be living. And we live 
by thinking correctly about Good Friday and about the, the greatness of Jesus in, in this day. And the, the picture I want to take us through, the passage I want us to look at, Luke chapter 7, is, is a very emotional scene. It's in the early stages of Jesus' ministry, maybe halfway through. A lot of the other scenes that appear to be like this, where a woman is there and she has the ointment and she's doing the anointing, that appears in the final days before Good Friday. This scene is different, and it's more so about the repentance of a person than it is about the blessing of Jesus on his way to dying on the cross. But the importance of this passage is it shows us a Savior that is completely open for business with our sin. 100%. The person of Jesus will not shy away from even the deepest, darkest, most grotesque sin that we can bring Him. He is open arms at all times. The cross proved that. And so we want to look at this, this, this setting that encapsulates the goodness, the grace of Good Friday. So read with me if you would. You can, you can read from the... Uh, screen if you like. I'm going to read from the Bible, which was taken directly uh, onto the screen. So it's all very straight. A sinful woman forgiven. You can say a sinful man if you would like, a sinful boy, a sinful girl. This does apply to each of us, whether we are currently following Jesus or not. The point is that today we would have renewed confidence in a God that is just so interested in healing us and setting us free. He's so interested. It's the best part of his day. His day is pretty awesome. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, him, to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. They ate totally different than we do. It's not a straight chair. It's like a couch. And they're kind of sideways on it propped up with their arm, and it's, it's an interesting way. I don't know if that helps digestion, but that was the way they did it. I don't know if it's... Gravity's a thing with digestion. And behold, a woman of the city, not the best title, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Wow. How does, how does this compare with our prayer time or our repentance with Jesus? See, one of the commentaries I read actually said that she may not have intended to do the whole tear hair thing at all, but may have been overcome at the very sight of, like, we can say that would be plausible. 
how have we ever been in those moments where we're overcome? We're simply overcome with the things that Jesus would hold against us. The things that are poisoning us from the inside out. The things that make us feel so unworthy that we can barely stand to enter the doors of a church or look a Christian in the eye or look ourselves in the eye. And this lady burst wide open. You actually can't pay for that kind of freedom. You, you, you can't. That's the body giving up on itself. It's giving itself over. Our flesh looks to stay away from that at all costs. That's not a place we want to be. Weeping at somebody's feet, using our hair to, to, to wipe their dirty feet off, that's not the kind of place we want to be. Your flesh, your pride, your humanity wants nothing to do with that. And for our flesh to be in such a place of horror that we can no longer hold back the need for forgiveness. That's, that's a wonderful place to be. Very worth the price of the ointment, which would have been costly. Probably bought with the earnings of sin. Didn't bother the Lord. Not one little bit. Now when the Pharisee. Maybe we're here. Where are we? No, whatever. Now when the Pharisee, verse 39, had, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, let's be real with ourselves here. Which person are we in the story? And by the way, you don't get to be Jesus. Sorry. You're just not up for it. All right? I'm just not up for it. I would imagine we are both. In different times. That's what happens. When the body is not. Willing. To give up. The darkness to the Lord. To be healed. As we become dark. Calloused. And judgmental. Worried about exterior. Things. And Jesus, full of damning questions, never, when Jesus asks you a question, don't answer. (laughs) Don't just, it's not going to work out. Just say, yes, Lord, fall on your knees and repent. Okay? It's a lot quicker because he's going to mess you up. You're going to get your bell rung. And remember, Simon muttered it to himself. As most judgmental people do. Does he know? Like, ugh. She's just gross. Ugh. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. You don't know what's coming. 
A certain money lender has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and one the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon, still not feeling nailed to the wall, answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. A most humbling experience. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But but he who has forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Sometimes it's not how many sins we need to confess. Sometimes it's our ability to perceive the sin in us that needs to be confessed. Right? Because because Jesus isn't about who gets to say the most confessions. He doesn't care about that. He just cares that you unload it all. You give it all to Him. He wants all of it. He wants the bottom of the barrel. He wants it rinsed out, soaked, and then poured out again. So he can have every last bit. Because as it says here, the level that we are willing to give to him in humility, in brokenness, where we sob at his feet, is the level that he wants to come in and do such a tremendous renovation. He says, take it all the way down to the studs. And if the studs are still problematic, rip those out too. Because I got a renovation for you and I need to work with totally good foundation. And that's what Jesus wants to do. That's what the cross bought. A complete and utter confidence that when we go to him, he has everything that we need. Sometimes things that we don't even know we need. And most certainly things that we don't want at the time. Somehow, through the grace of God, this woman who had so many obvious things against her knew that the very place of healing was brokenness at the cross of Jesus. Jesus was already acting out the goodness of Good Friday long before it happened. He was only able to forgive because he knew he was going to do business with the sin of humanity years later or a year and a half later or whatever it was. He knew what was coming and he already held that power. Good Friday tells us that no matter what we've done, 
how far we've backslidden, how little we know God today, and that's probably a sprinkling of this room. Jesus is 100% open for your full redemption. Every scar, every addiction, every injury, every offense, every sin issue, every stronghold, what do you got? That's what he says. Jesus, I don't know if you can do this. Well, what do you got? Why don't you just show me? Why don't you just watch as I don't flinch at your ugliness? What are you going to think when I'm going to touch it and call it beautiful? Are you up for that? That's no easy task. Because again, our flesh hates us. One of the hardest things I had to go through as a pastor, and there were bumps along the way because being a pastor is hard. One of the hardest things I had to go through was allowing Jesus to touch my ugly bits. You got to let him get right in there and eat it. That's what you got to do. That's actually the secret of everything. Jesus has to get to the ugly parts. And again, you, 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 you can't manufacture this. You can simply go to him as a broken vessel saying, I don't know how to get in my own way. But I promise you, whether you've been a Christian for 10 years, 30 years, 5 years, or whatever, you will feel reborn again when you let him get right to the bottom. Our ability to be fully saved, fully redeemed, fully healed, fully free, fully acceptable is hampered in our inability to be defensive and protective and even prideful and standoffish. We have lots of Pharisee in us. And it's by the grace of God that we can even get to the place, this poor, poor woman, that I, pro- I promise you left feeling about a bazillion dollars. She would have known a freedom that, that, you, that isn't even quantifiable. I can't even liken it to anything. The freedom and it, like... Just read the story. I, 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 it's amazing. There was a story of Times Square Church. Times Square Church was a big time church right in New York, Times Square. And it housed all of the drug addicts, former drug addicts, former gang members, you know, lots of teardrops. And they had had some hard stuff happen. And there was a visiting pastor that was there that told the story, and they were singing Amazing Grace. And he couldn't believe the sobbing that was going on around him. He thought, yeah, I mean, this is a great hymn, it's a classic. They must really love the classics. 
but he couldn't quite grasp why people were so deeply impacted by this song. And he asked the pastor after, and he said, well, they know grace at its deepest level because they know how far Jesus had to come to save them. Sometimes it's easier for really broken people to feel really grace invested by Jesus. It's easier sometimes. Because you look at your list and you think, wow, I was really in need of a savior. You know, I can say that, so there. But, but I'll tell you, even for me, you know, Jesus cleans you up, makes you a little more presentable. He takes a little bit of the rough edges off, even though there's, there's some more to go. Right? He even gives you a position in the church. You can get complacent. And complacency, no, that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Complacency will not allow you to find the position of weeping and cleaning Jesus in the depth of your sin. It's not going to. We never grow out of this need to be able to touch the root of our desperate desire to need Jesus every day. Second, First Timothy is one of the last letters Paul wrote. And so he had been the man in the faith a long time. And he still writes this in the first chapter. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So please listen to what I'm about to say. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Not me. Paul said that. And and he would have probably had the least in the flesh idea to feel how broken he was. But he never got his finger off his sin problem that he'd been saved from. He didn't forget that. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. This great man of faith never lost how much he'd been saved from. And that's what Jesus is looking for. That's the freedom that he wants us to walk in. That's why Good Friday is always relevant. No matter whether you're unsaved or 20 years saved. Is we need to have the knowledge of the sin problem that caused Jesus to go to the cross on our behalf. We have to know it. Because if we know it, then Easter Sunday becomes far more glorious. Far more glorious because the depth that you allow him to save you is the very depth that he will fill you with life and gratitude and thankfulness. These things that we've been plagued to be without. We don't know it anymore. But it's the depth of our brokenness 
that always needs to stay relevant. That we can understand that our Savior went far more than knee deep in our ugliness. He reached all the way down. He's like Dr. Pole with that big... Yeah, no, no. My moral compass. (laughs) She's supposed to tell me to stop talking too. I will. (laughs) Hebrews 4, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is the importance of Good Friday. This is the importance of Luke 7. This is the importance of us knowing that we always need a Savior. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is always open for business. Always. The doors are always unlocked. He's not going to flinch. He doesn't care what your laundry list is. He's not going to flinch. He wants, wants, wants to heal you and set you free. Today could be that day. Six months, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years. Pastor, lay pastor, elder, not a pastor, backslidden. This message is for all of us. He is waiting to heal your every affliction. And he is very up for the task. Why don't we, cut, why don't we get the worship team up? I'm going to pray for us if we could all stand. The knowledge of our sin makes us all equal in need of Jesus. Because it doesn't matter if it's an R-rated sin or if it's a PG-rated sin, which is kind of like an R-rated sin these days anyway. It doesn't matter to Jesus because it's equally damning. And so we need to bring everything we have to Him because the depth that we give Him of our sin is the depth of the joy and the gladness and the gratitude that He wants to pour out on you. He is so, so generous with His goodness. We need to be generous with the parts of us that really need a Savior. Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we invite you today to do business with our hearts. Lord, if we don't know you, I ask that today would be the day that we would confess the sin that is in our hearts, the sin that has kept us from you. We would confess it as our own, and we would fall at your feet for the need of a Savior, not simply to take away the guilt, but to to lead and guide our life. You are the very best. It's It's not just for a clear conscience we need to know you. It's not just to um, escape hell. Those are, those are fine reasons, but the best reason is we get you intimately. We get to know you. We get to feel your love. We get to know our freedom is found in you. You're the very best prize. And you're worth every penny that we have to scrounge up in humility to find you. And you ask for our gratitude. Not even our service right away. How do we pay you back? A person who's given us everything? 
by being grateful and by putting our praise where it belongs. So God, touch our hearts, pinch us where we need it, and allow us to confess with full faith to a God who is listening and willing and so glad when we come to Him. You are a God that heals and saves and brings us to a place that we could never imagine. Would we know a thankfulness and a joy that is only found by being perfectly forgiven by you in our deepest, deepest man? Amen.